And so my main objective is to try to clean up all the water in the country. Welcome to Nature Magic. Today we can announce after a long and tricky planning process that Foreign Nature Sanctuary have teamed up with a Belgian company Slow Cabins to provide on-site eco-accommodation. Check out slowcabins.ie. The cabins are completely off-grid with solar panels on the roof providing electricity. They're beautifully designed with the sole aim of allowing people to escape into nature and relax. In this episode, I'm talking to Phelan Harty, who has been working on the project through planning design and now into the build stage for the Willow Bed Greywater system. Phelan is an environmental consultant and writer. His company, FH Wetland Systems, established in 1996, offers designs and guidance on waterway repair and rewilding, eco-friendly wastewater treatment and holistic land use management for catchment protection and regeneration. His recent books include Towards Zero Waste and Permaculture Guide to Reed Beds. Hi, Phelan. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Um, you're looking great there in a little shed out in your field. Uh, so can you tell... Good to be here. Can you tell everyone where we are talking to you from today? Okay, I am talking to you from the goat shed on our, <laughs> at our new house because the goat shed this morning seems to be where there's the best reception. And uh, and that's so that that's where we seem to be seem to be fitting in. Out near the Hinch, about four miles from the Hinch, somewhere between the Hinch and Estimon, Kilshani and and the Scanner, that kind of area. Okay, perfect. So in County Clare. Yes, so I've got to know Phelan over the last, it's kind of year really, we've been working on a project together at the Borough Nature Sanctuary, which we are now allowed to announce for the first time. So we have teamed up with Slow Cabins for eco accommodation at the Borough Nature Sanctuary. And Phelan has been working on the wastewater systems for the cabins because they are completely off-grid which is a first for County Galway anyway, and I'm not sure about the rest of Ireland, but it's, it's very difficult to persuade the planners that you actually don't need to be connected to the systems. So maybe you could just tell us about that first, and then we'll, we'll talk about the, all the other exciting um, things you do with your wetland systems. Sure. Thanks, Mary. Lovely to be here. Uh, let me see. Well, the Slow Cabins project is great, actually. There is, um, it's a, Belgian company, I understand, and Matthew Parkinson is um, is heading that up, and he's been he was really clear from the outset that he wanted something really really eco friendly for the site. So they're using dry toilets, compost toilets, which they also use in Belgium and they're where they're based. And so we'll be having compost toilets for that'll negate the need for any black water. So there's no flush toilets flushing down anything into the sewers. So then we still need to deal with water from showers and wash on basins. So and that'll all be dealt with with a um, with a, a grey water willow filter. So instead of having a standard percolation area, we've what we've done is designed a system that will allow willows to be planted over that and still not clog the the pipes underneath. And so the willows will mop up a lot of the nitrates and a lot of the phosphates, even though they'll be fairly modest in terms of quantity, they'll be mopping those up and mopping up the liquid volume as well. So on the really vulnerable habitat that we have in the burren. Um, and under your site, Mary, there's, there's there's going to be really good protection in that web of willow roots that will extend right the way underneath that that's, um, percolation area. Mm. So there's literally nothing coming from the toilets. It's it's just there's, there's a small amount of water for showers 
and obviously washing in the kitchen. There's a tiny little kitchen involved. So it's just the grey water. I don't know if you could hear in the background, the cuckoo was trying to get onto the podcast. Could you hear that? Yeah, the cuckoo, cuckoo has been busy. Yeah, yeah he's in, he's in the busy. background there. So I think what, just beside me. I think one really good thing is now for other people, they can really consider different options now that Galway County Council has passed and given permission for this system and look into other options for wastewater. So do you want to tell everybody about your business, really, your website and any other projects that you're working on at the moment? Sure. Yeah. What I've been doing is um, working with reed bed systems and constructed wetlands and willow systems since the mid-1990s. And um, and basically trying to find low electricity input or zero electricity input systems that get water really, really clean. So that's the, the main aim. So my main objective is to try to clean up all the water in the country and then put my feet up. So um, <laughs> so, so that, that's really what I've been moving towards. And, you know, in recent years, I've actually been finding that there's suddenly a budget for habitat repair work, for waterway rewilding rewilding type work generally so landscape repair so working with landowners with farmers with county councils with community groups and individuals to really start to put back in the infrastructure and the landscape that will slow down the flow of water filter it out clean it up and repair the habitats um, back to what they may once have been and i'm finding that really exciting work so it's um, it's not dealing with shit in the same way as I have been for 20 years, but it's it's, it's much more fun, arguably. <laughs> yeah, so it's, so it's, it's, such a, it's such a huge problem. I mean, it just was flagged up. Well, flag is a good word, really, um, lately, because our blue flag beach trucked, our local beach has lost its blue flag, and everybody is up in arms about it. And there's various different reasons. Uh, it seems that the high counts for pollution happen after storm water. And I'm not going to go into the politics of this, but really we're in a very vulnerable system, a caste system where there's vulnerable aquifers underground. And all the water is coming down here from the water catchment area and flooding out into Kimbara Bay. But And now there's a big project to do ditches to get the water quicker out into the bay. Uh, so we really need the riparian borders of the rivers sorted out with tree planting. So all that work that you're doing is very exciting. Is there any other project that you'd like to talk to us that you're doing now or something you've done in the past that um, was very successful? One of the, yeah, one of the projects that I've been working with around the country is the EIP projects, the European Innovation Partnership projects, which are generally farm-based, looking at um, at solutions for dealing with things like um, runoff water and and just a general degradation of the natural environment within our wider agricultural landscapes and the eip project are looking at those and putting back in buffer zones silt traps farm ponds that sort of thing both for habitat and also for water flows one of the problems around the country with um with chalked by the sounds of it and also here in the hinge and in other places around the coast is that when it rains if there's combined sewers that mix foul sewer and stormwater, 
from roof surfaces. Suddenly, in heavy rainfall, you get these foul, the foul sewer being completely inundated. So you get a lot of water coming in and you actually get a certain degree of flushing through or bypassing going on so that you end up with sewage going straight into the, into the receiving water, which obviously is not great. One of the things that they've done to solve that problem in County Mayo, in a village called Kilchima, is they've got a new constructed wetland. Well, it's not all that new. It's about 10 years old. It was planted at about 10 years, 10 years ago. And so what they've got there is a system where all of the water from the new sewage treatment system goes into the constructed wetland. All of the stormwater, that's the water running off the streets, that all flows into the constructed wetland and gets filtered. But also what's called the storm surge overflow which is the mixture of stormwater and foul sewer, which traditionally goes straight into a river. That all gets dumped straight into the constructed wetland as well. So you get the wetland providing tertiary treatment of the main sewage, providing filtration of stormwater, and also it's an insurance policy that protects the river against storm surges, where you get sewage being discharged prematurely during a storm event. And that's so easy to do all over the country. Mm. You know, that's it's a, that's very, such a simple solution and I'm going to bring it to, to the attention of our local councillor and everything as it is a possibility. Um, and I, we, I was also talking to somebody from Coimbio, yeah. anyway, that they're looking after Galway Bay and it's not even the pollution that's affecting the fish, it's the enormous amount of silt that's been brought out with stormwater, mm-hmm. that stormwater events as well. So, you know, the wetlands would catch all that. Yeah, they would. Constructed wetlands are very, very good at dealing with, with the food value in, in, in sewage, you know, the food value that microbes eat, mm-hmm. and, also the, and also the silt as well. Very, very good silt traps. But even very, very small, modest measures right throughout the landscape can be enormously helpful. So if you've got a farm and you're looking around thinking, well, OK, I don't have any control over the water in the, in the river. But what I can do is I can build small little dams on any drain that's on my farm. So any surface drains that are there, you can dam them to a depth of six inches or a foot or something like that, and then move down along the, the, the gradient a little bit and build another one so that when the water is, so that when it rains, these all fill up with water and fill the fill the space and allow the liquid time to settle mm-hmm. and rest and deposit silt. So mm. it's a really, really simple measure. And if you've got a bit more space, you could even put in a small little pond. Small ponds within drains like that can be enormously helpful as, mm-hmm. um, as silt traps within the landscape mm-hmm. and stops that's, the silt from migrating down towards the sea. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what they were looking at, trying to persuade farmers up the sort of river system to put in these silt traps. Um, so it could be done really quickly. And actually, when you talk to people, they're all very positive and they want to help. It's just a matter of people don't really know what to do. Talking about it is the first step, which is great. So thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, yeah, we have our, our sewage treatment system at the Boron Nature Sanctuary. So we have an Envirocare tank, which um, treats the sewage. And then we have a very, very deep sand filter. Um, and we have willows planted as well. So... That's how it's treated here. Excellent. So you've got a belt and braces system with willows at the end to mop up nitrates and phosphates. Yes. Sounds brilliant. Yeah, thank you. Um, So, yeah, I was looking at your website and you have written a book as well called Towards Zero Waste. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Towards Zero Waste is is book number four. So it's um, uh, always wanted to be a writer and I find myself writing about shit and waste. (laughs) (laughs) 
and this is this is the waste side of things. The other the two of the other ones are, are looking at eco-friendly sewage treatment. But towards zero waste was um, that was written. It was actually kind of it's a it's a ten year upgrade of the first book that I wrote, which was called "Get Rid of Your Bin." My 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 aim was to subvert the government's incineration policy by denying them any fuel for their incinerators. And uh, it didn't quite work out like that, but it did get the first book written <laughs> out there. And people who like it love it, you know, which is fantastic. The idea is that if we can simply just minimize the amount of rubbish that we take into our homes, then you, you basically don't need a bin collection. You know, you, you cut way back on your rubbish and, um, and the resource use that goes hand in hand with that. One of the huge problems on the planet at the moment is that we're in the middle of the sixth mass extinction that the planet has seen. So we're in the middle of that event at the moment as a result directly of human activity. And one of the issues is just gobbling up habitats everywhere and basically converting those into raw materials. And so there's two sides to towards zero waste. One is to stop producing waste, but the other is to stop wasting all of those habitats by 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 just mucking them up and you know mining them or logging them or digging them out or cutting them up or whatever it is that there's a, a huge amount that can be done by creating closed loop systems so mm -hmm. the, you've all heard of the circular economy and in order to in order to move forward into a, a future that will be worth living in the circular economy is is crucial you know to that process and one of the things that i find slightly Frustrating, I suppose, as I look at the circular economy, is that there's relatively little discussion about the whole area of fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. That you you can't have a circular economy if it's built on the foundation of fossil fuels, because you're taking the fossil fuels out of the ground, processing them, and using them, and they're gone. Mm -hmm. So, by definition, it really doesn't work. So, a circular economy also essentially has to be a local economy. And I think that if we, to the degree that we throw stuff away, we deprive ourselves ourselves of the rich quantity of resources that are already there that are just being dumped rather than re reused and I'm, I'm in the middle of a building project at the moment we're, we're renovating a house and we're about to move into it and I'm finding that I'm coming in any interaction with tradesmen I, I get such strange looks over and over and over and over again because my <laughs> my desire to try to reuse materials looks completely daft and yet if you consider the amount of energy and resources that goes into making those materials, you know, we've got a situation where, where we're just using that energy because it's phenomenally cheap because fossil fuels are subsidized. You know, we, we, we have global subsidies for the fossil fuel industry of $5.2 trillion per annum. You know, there's huge subsidies, both direct and indirect um, for the fossil fuel industry. And I think that, I think that waste would just, you know, it would simply cease to be an issue if we pulled the plug on that funding mechanism. You know, mm. taxpayers' money going into propping up some of the richest businesses on the planet. Yeah. It's an enormous and problem whole... that could be changed if people could see things from a different angle. <laughs> and I, I think it is changing. It yeah, is I think changing. it is changing as well. You know, like there's, there's increasing lack of patience for, for plastic, for example. Mm -hmm. And of course, one of the reasons why plastic, which is an incredibly useful material, but one of the reasons why it's so cheap is because the, the companies are, you know, essentially subsidized manufacturers and they don't pay any of the um, the cost of environmental cleanup. So, you know, it's a, it's a very, very challenging one, but I think it's changing. I think even in Ireland, 
you know, we were one of the first countries in the world to bring in the plastic bag tax. Yeah. And, and that's been enormously successful. So small measures like that can make an absolutely huge difference. Yes. Um, I do sort of feel for you when you have to explain why you spent so many years focusing on uh, shit. <laughs> because <laughs> I remember going in, I was actually worked for Kingspan Envirocare, which is sewage treatment um, in yeah. the Celtic Tiger. And I was going around okay. to engineers, yeah, setting up their planning systems. But when I went to the interview, the guy said, and why do you want to work in this area? Yeah. <laughs> and I had to quickly think. And I said, well, I've always had an interest in pollution control. <laughs> but yeah, it has to be it has to be addressed. And what you're doing here at Borough Nature Sanctuary and then the different projects that you're doing um, is addressing it head on. And it's also there are lovely projects. So we'll put we'll point everyone towards your website and your books, and I'll put them in the show notes. Is there anything you'd like to say to people before you close? And also, you know, point us in the direction of your website and how people can contact you. Okay. Well, one thing is that I think by by introducing really simple measures within the landscape, I think that enormous changes can be enacted. You know, I think that's something that that we need to to look at as we go forward into the future. Yeah, if you've got a problem with storm surge events in a in a town or a village, it can sometimes be challenging if the village is close to the sea. But in you know, invariably there's um, there's space somewhere around. You know, so if there's roof water coming in, you can root that instead of rooting it straight into the storm sewers. You can root it into ponds, uh, particularly percolating ponds that allow the water to soak out of the base. So they're empty for the next time that there's a storm surge. And then further back, if you've got a housing estate set further back from the sea, all the storm water from that housing estate should be captured, filtered through an unlined wetland so that it soaks into the ground. And this is the, this is the storm water from the roof surfaces and the driveways, not the sewage. Um, but the trick is to get the storm water out of the main sewers so that during heavy rainfall, there's just no issue because there's no rainfall getting into the sewers. And so there's lots and lots of things that can be done, even even things like rolling out green roofs or putting in. I know that in one in in one German city, they basically paid people uh, a dividend or they gave them a discount on their wastewater disposal charges if they simply put a barrel with a hole in it, you know, underneath a gutter. So that instead of connecting their rainwater into a storm sewer, so that when it rains, the barrel filled with water and then it slowly eased out into the ground afterwards and just soaked away. So it's really simple measures. And by not having these measures, you get rainfall and you get your your foul sewer getting flushed through. And you have a vast problem. Yeah, huge problem. Huge problem. And the solutions are just so simple. Yeah, if you've got a problem with storm surge events in a a town or a village, it can sometimes be challenging if the village is close to the sea. But in, you know, invariably there's, um, there's space somewhere around you know so if there's roof water coming in you can root that instead of rooting it straight into the storm sewers you can root it into ponds uh, particularly percolating ponds that allow the water to soak out of the base so they're empty for the next time that there's a storm surge and then further back if you've got a housing estate set further back from the sea all the storm water from that housing estate should be captured filtered through an unlined wetland so that it soaks into the ground and this is the this is the storm water from the roof surfaces and the driveways not the sewage i think that a lot of the flooding issue that's being put out to climate change is actually in some measure due to land use changes and so by draining land and developing land we speed up the water flowing off the land and we can simply reverse that we can completely reverse it by putting in hedgerows woodlands 
ponds within farms, planting drains, damming them slightly so that we create a, you know, a, a small silt traps within the drains themselves. There's loads and loads of small measures that can be done really, really easily and, and in a very straightforward way. And if anybody wants information on some of those, just email me and I can send out the information resources that I've been developing over the, over the last number of years with the farming groups. Mm, uh, brilliant. I mean, and think how good that would be for biodiversity, quality of life, um, even for attracting tourism. You know, it's a win-win all round. And like you're doing at Slow Cabins, with, with the Slow Cabins work, if you can have compost toilets, then you're just not mixing perfectly good nitrogen, perfectly good phosphorus, perfectly good biomass and good water and mixing them all together into a soup that can make people sick and yes. cause pollution. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it's going to take people a while to come around to the compost toilets. So thank you very much for such a positive message. And it has been a pleasure working with you on the Slow Cabins project at Borough Nature Sanctuary. Thanks a million, Mary. It's been exciting work. It's been fun to do it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Nature Magic. The big news is that three Slow Cabins have arrived in Ireland and will be delivered to Borough Nature Sanctuary next week. We're delighted to partner up with a company so close to our own ethos and feel it is an ideal match for Borough Nature Sanctuary. You can pre-book through slowcabins.ie and there will be a link on our website when booking is open. The cabins are designed for two people and offer uninterrupted views of the wildflower meadow and secluded spaces to chill out and relax. So check out slowcabins.ie.